Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us back on the podcast our friend, David Ioannis. Um, he was on the podcast in April 2021 when we talked about his book um, and had a conversation around his book, Mind of a Missionary. Today, we're going to be discussing um, his book, Gospel Fr- Privilege. And it's an insightful book, challenging book um, for the realities of us that have had have the gospel, have received the gospel, the responsibility we have to share the gospel. David has a love for God's word. He has a love for, for Jesus, and he has a love for, for those who have not yet heard God's word um, to have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so just challenging conversation with him. Appreciate his his mind and his willingness um, to stretch other people's minds. So, do want to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel of Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and answer um, listeners' questions. I curate those and try to correspond those to the um, subject matter of the podcast that it will air with. And uh, just always enjoy spending time with Dick. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend um, who we interviewed back, maybe back April or May last year, David Ioannis, who wrote the book, The Mind of the Missionary. And today we're going to get to talk about the gospel privilege. David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Aaron. It is a pleasure to be here with you again. It is. It is. And I, as I shared before I hit record, it's like we're portal back a year before. It's almost the same. I have a little more gray hair and less of it, but he looks exactly the same. So um, he's he's staying young and youthful, which is which is a good thing. Well, yeah, I got some grays in there. That's why I shaved my beard really tight, you know. Um, but man, it seems like we're in a bit of a time warp with COVID, you know. I mean, oh. I say, yeah, it's been a year since whatever happened, but yeah. not realizing yeah. it's been three because yeah. we live in this time warp here. It is. But uh uh, thank crazy. God his grace is upon us even during the difficult times. Amen. Amen. Just want to go ahead and jump into the questions, but before we do that, could you just share a little bit about yourself? Uh, maybe someone had, didn't listen to the last episode, but um, but yeah, I think it'd be good for this just for you to share a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, I'm a little shocked. Wait, someone didn't listen to the last episode? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> Uh, you're telling me people aren't just binge listening to to everything well, you have to share? Well, I wish, but I don't know if they do. So. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be back again. Um, last time we were talking about The Mind of a Missionary is the second book that I wrote. Uh, um, and I, I think that theme has kind of grown into what is now I, I wrote Gospel Privilege. And, and the reason is my heart continues to burn for those who have yet to hear the gospel. Um I've been living in Southeast Asia for 23 years. Uh, Since 1998, I spent 15 years in China before moving here to Thailand, where uh, where ministry within Reach Global is now growing and uh, continuing to reach out to what I'm calling the gospel dead zones, places people have never had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And and I kind of wrestled with that in, in this book because not everybody's paradigm lives in this the the reality of unreached people groups. We've had the gospel. We've been privileged with the gospel for centuries uh, in the American context, but uh, we still are, are struggling and dealing with the culture wars of our day, war, race, gender issues, creation care, moral relativism. And it, it seems like 
is the gospel really, does it have power in our world today? And uh, here in our context, um, you know, in the last 15 years uh, in China, we, we saw over uh, 95,000 uh, evangelistic encounters with people wow. who had never heard the gospel. I mean, Aaron, I walked into a village in China and said, uh, have you ever heard of Jesus Christ here? And uh, I've received the most amazing answers because it comes up blank on their monitor of their mindset uh, that there is no backdrop of Christianity. And one guy said, is that, is that a brand of a soap? Mm. He thought I was like an international businessman wow. trying to dominate wow. the, <laughs> the soap market. Uh, but, but he had no concept of who Jesus was. So these 95,000 gospel encounters with unreached people groups have led to uh, a growing team of indigenous missionaries, uh, 75 churches planted, small house churches all throughout the mountains of China, now here in Thailand. And uh, so it has been a, a great joy just to lead within Reach Global along with my wife. She's from the Philippines, Lorna, and our two daughters here in Thailand and our amazing growing team at Within Reach Global. So there's a little snippet for you of uh, my background. Exciting and great to hear those those testimonies of what God is doing. And um, as you said, living in challenging times, it's always great to hear the good good things that are going on and the way that God God is moving for sure. In your book, you, um, you share that it's a clarion call for the gospel privileged to stand in advocacy and solidarity for the gospel deprived. Could you just share a little bit about who are the gospel privileged or what is the gospel privilege and then what who are and what is the gospel deprived? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was trying to play with words that have pejorative meanings and connotations these days. You say standing in solidarity with, and you instantly kind of think of other groups standing in solidarity with their yeah. tribe. Yeah. Maybe you disagree or agree with their their uh, program or campaign. Right. Um, but the gospel privileged, who are they? They are the ones who have not only had access to the gospel, because the reality is almost all Americans have had access to the gospel. I mean... Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Oprah Winfrey, Joe Rogan, they've all got gospel access, right? But but that doesn't mean they have the privilege of the gospel or have made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their, of their lives. So the people I'm describing as those who have gospel privilege are, are people who have put their faith in Christ, who are trying to follow his footsteps and live a humble, compassionate life and extend God's kingdom in a very robust way, the robust gospel. Mm. Gospel deprived, on the other hand, is maybe a word that can be equated with what we call unreached people groups. Yeah. You've probably heard of those, but we don't often say gospel deprived. Gospel deprived sounds stronger because you say unreached people group. And in my context, that means that guy on the mountain who thought I was a soap salesman yeah. who'd never heard of Jesus before. And, um, Thailand, 65 million people who have no concept of who Prayesu is. And, uh, but we get that confused when you say unreached. It's, oh, yeah, my, my Aunt Mildred down on the cul-de-sac, she's, she's unreached, you know. Well, she's not mm. at all. She has mm. access to the gospel. She has access to a Bible, Christian radio broadcast, churches nearby. Uh, access changes everything. Mm. So the gospel deprived is 
there are no Christians, there are no churches, there's no missionaries, there's no way of knowing or gaining an opportunity to find out who Jesus is, but by a miracle of God. And um, so if we who are privileged to have access to understand the richness of life in Christ, uh, don't share the gospel, yes, in our Jerusalems, yes, in our Judeas, yes, in our Samarias, but to the ends of the earth where people are deprived of this great message of the cross, uh, then, then there's a problem because I believe this is the unearned advantage that's, that's meant for everyone. Wow. Wow. And so does that, you talk a little bit too about the responsibility um, when we have privilege it, that comes with a responsibility. How are we doing with this responsibility? And can you share just a little bit about it? Hmm. The responsibility, ah, the drudgery, right? <laughs> the, the great commission, we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. And, and this is the final command of Jesus, you know, Acts 1.8. You'll after the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you'll you'll be my witnesses everywhere, and um, we have this tendency to be risk averse. <laughs> it's the human tendency, you know. <laughs> it's not just a Christian problem. Yeah. We we don't necessarily gravitate to speak with people who look differently than us or think differently. Or I mean, I'm on Twitter. I understand the situation, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you know, but. Um, but the reality is this this responsibility or duty or or res- privilege we have of sharing the gospel it is just that it's a privilege it's not drudgery um if you've experienced the the life of Christ in you um there's you can't help but share if i'm not speaking if i'm not going out and meeting different people and saying oh yes and mention of my wife and because she's important to me because she mm. holds value in my life well well there's a problem and um the reality is, how are we doing with this responsibility? Um, you know, there's a great desire, I think, to uh, share the gospel and evangelize, um, but it's it's grown into that my lifestyle will just exemplify who Christ is, and and the actions that I do and my good deeds will will, will share the gospel, and that's good. Um, but I think we often take a, uh, Saint Francis of Assisi's words out of context, you know. Um, uh, when he says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, you use words. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Steer, Dare to Share president, changed it. He said, preach the gospel at all times. Uh, it matters. Always use words. And uh, <laughs> we, we, we took this out of context and it's become in, inherently a part of how we share the gospel. We think we share the gospel is just that our lifestyle will somehow shine the light of the gospel and people will throng around us and, and ask, who is this Jesus of whom you act like? <laughs> and that doesn't, that's not always the case. Yeah. Um, and so the reality is um, the statistics are still very similar as what they were 25, 30 years ago when it comes to unreached, we still spend more, money on costumes, Halloween costumes for our pets than we do missions to unreached. Mm-hmm. We um, might be part of a, a small group or a church that's actively reaching out in our community, but the those who are distant and afar off are not even on our radar. They're not a blip. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think there, there comes a reality when we don't understand lostness. Hmm. Uh, we don't understand lostness at home. 
and certainly not the reality of the default destination that people are headed toward, which is mm. hell. Yeah. And if we don't sound the alarm, if we're not that Ezekiel 33 watchman on the wall, um, then the blood will be on our own heads and hands. And mm. we do have a responsibility. Yes, even a great privilege yeah. of sharing the gospel to those who are still waiting uh, for, for a touch. And I'll end with this because that famous statement um, says the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Yeah, it's true. We have this good news gospel, but if it yeah. doesn't get there in time, nobody even knows about it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. For sure, for sure. One of the other things that really jumped out to me was the idea of spiritual poverty. Um, and you talk about spiritual poverty. Can you unpack this for us? And how does gospel poverty align, align with this spiritual poverty? Yeah. Um, you know, when I was writing this, uh, often I, I think I, I talk in a paradigm that's talking about, like I mentioned, people who don't have access to the gospel, unreached people groups, China and Asia and this mystical, you know, over there kind of conglomerate of people who don't have names and faces. And so they don't really matter as much, but if you could paint them at the light that they have plans for the weekend and drink leafy tea, and they're actually human with yeah. a sister and a mom and a dad, you know, they begin to take shape and, and matter a little bit more. Um, but I wrote this book a little bit more for, for the American audience because spiritual poverty is not just something that's happening over there, not just something happening in Thailand or um, in Kenya or in uh, these places that for most probably listeners are, are far away. Um, the reality is we're dealing with these culture wars that are prevalent uh, in, in, our, in our lives. You know, we're dealing with, with injustices like sex trafficking, drug addiction, homelessness, uh, sickness, uh, suffering. And I'm, I'm just talking about California right now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, so this spiritual poverty is, is something that we are all dealing with. It, it's the, the wear off of the, the great fall uh, of mankind and gospel poverty is different though. Gospel poverty is yes. You're dealing with all those issues and injustices and difficulties, but there is no hope. There's no hmm. hope for you hmm. because you don't, on top of that, compounding all those issues, you don't even have the hope of the gospel. Hmm. You maybe have your folk religion or ancestral worship, or you're trying to appease the gods in some way, or you are an agnostic that knows there might be something out there beyond the great, you know, beyond but but you you don't have any other hope uh for for the future so um i think we as again those who are privileged with the gospel need to realize that the world is suffering tremendously um mm. people around us are, are dealing with issues they don't know how to navigate um and we need to be the ones to shine the light of the gospel audibly with words that says yeah. you know I know this is a difficult situation, but you were made <clears throat> for something beyond this world. You're a misfit for the world. And <clears throat> the only hope we have is in Jesus. Um, so those are the, trying to, the, the juxtaposition I was trying to create with spiritual versus gospel poverty. Some yeah. have access. Again, it's access. 
yeah. access changes everything. Yeah, for sure. Do you think, as I read that, do you think, you know, I've spent the last 20 some odd years living in either in Madagascar or on the continent. And sometimes when I read that, when I read that, it made me think, I think that my African brothers and sisters are probably more spiritually aware than my brother, my, that I'm my American brothers and sisters, meaning, and I'm not saying that doesn't equal poverty, but it, they were, they seem to be more open and aware and sensitive um, to things in the spiritual realm that the boy from me, Wally Ford, West Virginia, just, you know, it was a, I, it was a learning lesson. You know I mean? There were just, it was a, I lived, lived in a dichotomous world where I didn't consider it. So how does that play into maybe some Somebody's more spiritually aware. Is there spiritual awareness? And I don't know. Am I making any sense with that question? Yeah, I, I think you're trying to be gracious with the question <laughs> because because I, I have felt the same paradigm. Um, <clears throat> when uh, you live in a place that um, the the other world or yeah. the nether world is entwined with the tangible world. Yeah. Um, and, and you burn joysticks to uh, let the smoke go up into the air and appease the hungry ghosts. And uh, if you don't put the head of that cow on top of the three-pronged bamboo pole, um, then the, the, the spirits are going to haunt your family and destroy your crops. I mean, these are real yeah. life, more in an animistic context, things that people are dealing with. Um, my goodness, that's the most farthest thing away from our concept in the yeah. West. We, we call, you know, um, demon possession and we call uh, spirit, uh, uh, you know, oppression, um, different medical terms. But right. I think we have a tendency to oversimplify and uh, make everything so tangible because we're not as aware. We're, our lives are not brushing up against the spiritual every moment of the day. Yeah. Uh, we just had uh, a water splashing festival here in Thailand and uh, it's fun, you know, and you splash water, but the reality is you're, you're taking this water and pouring over the head of a Buddha um, to gain karma, to gain good merit, to uh, appease something out there and, you know, balance yeah. your karmic life. And um, I think we need to understand that we do live in a spiritual battle. Yeah. We are constantly in a spiritual battle. That's what the armor of God is for. Um, but if we don't believe that there are fiery darts out there from the evil one, well, the breastplate of righteousness or the belt of truth don't really do much good. They're fun and they're pretty cool. If you look at them, you look like this warrior princess with everything on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, I think that the global South, uh, yeah. who you're describing, most people outside of America, are are very in tune with the spiritual realm. Um, and therefore, it creates a vacuum of hunger. Hmm. Uh, I see this in China. I see this uh, beginning to happen in Thailand. I'm sure you see it on the African continent. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that lack of hunger uh, that we might be sensing as we move into a post-Christian culture, a milieu, is because we've compartmentalized all these spiritual uh, realities yeah. and um and we we love the tangible yeah. love to touch and taste and feel but the reality is we're misfits for this world yeah it's true that is true that is true one of the other things you mentioned um is you describe a shift away from moderate views on religion um towards uh opposing poles um how do you see that playing out in the world today where it 
I think what you're asking there is um, sounds uh, antithetical to what people are are really experiencing. You're saying that there's becoming people are becoming more uh, more open to spiritual things. That, that these poles are gravitating farther apart. You're not seeing much lukewarm Christianity. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of people are like. Oh, what do you mean? I see tons of lukewarm Christians, or I, I see tons of people who are lukewarm. Well, I don't know. I, I think the opposite is true. In fact, there was a Pew Research Center analysis that was released in July 2020. Uh, there was 38,000 plus people from 34 countries and six continents that were interviewed for this. Um, you got everywhere from Argentina, Brazil, uh, Kenya, Nigeria, Philippines, uh, all over Europe. And they were, ta- they were asked the question, uh, is religion very important as opposed to somewhat important? Hmm. And the majority of people globally, um, we're beginning to separate, see these polls separating, is not that, oh, it's somewhat important. You know, it's, it's good for some people and not so much for others. They're saying it is very important or not important at all. Hmm. And you're moving into a post-Christian world. It's like religion, Christianity, not important at all. The pole gets farther apart. Yeah. Or other people say it is incredibly important, very important. And so you're seeing the lukewarm nature of Christianity kind of dissolve in a way uh, that people are saying what Jesus, I think, wants, all or nothing, hot hmm. or cold, lukewarm gets spit out of my mouth. <laughs> and yeah. um, so uh, the question is, who, who are we? Uh, what pole are we on? Hmm. Are we on the north or the south? Are we on this, this, this not, do our lives describe the Christianity or the evangelicalism that we, uh, you know, uh, say we adhere to as important? Yeah. Or do our lifestyles describe it as not so important or not important at all? Uh, I think it's a clarion call to realize that people are on the edge of eternity and uh, they're not satisfied with poking around in Christianity. They want either something real and meaningful and impactful for their life, or they just don't want it at all. Yeah. And if we're not sharing the robust gospel, um, as opposed the, to the the, the the anemic gospel that's kind of come up in our midst, yeah. then there's a problem yeah. moving forward. And that kind of leads my, to my next question for you. You talk, um, you share about the status quo gospel and this soft therapeutic gospel. How how do you think those are impacting this this idea of people being hot or cold or the lukewarmness? Yeah. So status quo and therapeutic gospel. Yeah. <clears throat> We love status quo things, don't we? <laughs> I mean, we kind of humans that is. You know, we we want to get through the day. We want to make enough money to support our family. We don't want to go too far off into the distance, create problems and we're risk adverse. Um uh, but what that has has brought about a spawned in, in so many churches today, a soft therapeutic gospel means we don't talk about uh, judgment day. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about, like I mentioned before, the default destination of humankind, uh, hell. And, uh, and so 
you know, this leaves us instead with kind of that typical uh, description that we've received before that, you know, um, club of people who kind of gather together and do life together, which is all good, but we're not reckoning with sin. We're not reckoning with the deeper things of eternity. Uh, a soft therapeutic gospel will say, you know, going to church and, uh, you know, paying your tithe and this is good enough. Um, when Jesus is saying things that are so hard, you know, die to yourself, take up your cross. Um, think about what that feels like and means and that it's not fun. It's not, we're not, we're not built for this. This is an upside down opposing subversive kind of way of the kingdom. Um, so I think we're inundated with the therapeutic gospel. It, it, it helps you. Jesus will help you. Jesus will help you be good and do good things like Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah Winfrey, make them yeah. proud, <laughs> you know, um, random acts of kindness. This yeah. is not the gospel. That hmm. is not the gospel at all. Hmm. Um, that's a soft therapeutic one. Hmm. Um, but Jesus said, there's none who is good. No, not one. And this is the difference between all these other religions that we've just been talking about a moment ago. With Buddha, Buddhism, if you pour the water over the Buddha's head and correct your karma and do merit, you can be good enough. You can gain enough karma hmm. to escape the cycle of suffering and attain to nirvana. Or you can do enough good things in Islam to be able to um, uh, receive the, the crowns in the afterlife. Jesus is saying, there's nothing you can do. There's hmm. nothing at all except die to yourself and allow my life to live through you. And that's when our lives become so subversive and radical that the soft therapeutic gospel is not even attractive anymore. Hmm. And I think even, even the thought you, you shared early in, in that question about the default being hell. And I think that seems to be somewhat of our shift in culture that uh, would lean towards maybe the, the, the default is heaven. And I mean, if you just kind of go through life and flow through life and you don't offend people and you you smile at the right times and do those things, you know, the the stream leads to heaven. It actually doesn't lead to hell. Would you is that would that be correct? Because when you just said that the fault is hell, man, that, that, that just jumped out to me. Yeah, you know, um, I think I, I mentioned that somewhere in the book, how I, I'm I, I didn't want to say I didn't want to be the guy, you know, holding the signs that say. <laughs> Turn or burn. I, right. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But the reality is we do have the the calling to be the watchman on the walls, like I mentioned, Ezekiel 33, how we are calling out to this coming destruction. And it is the default destination of humankind hmm. that we are destined for a Christless eternity. And doesn't that sound so soft? We like saying Christless eternity instead of hell. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, the reality is we're destined for hell. That's our, that's yeah. our default setting. Yeah. If you can change the default settings, yeah. then you have an alternate um, possibility, yeah. uh, uh, life through Christ. And you look at like, I, I watch Ray Comfort uh, uh, online. Ray Comfort is this uh, Christian evangelist yeah. and apologist and, and he's often challenging people. Hey, tell me about where will you go after you die? And people's responses on Huntington Beach uh, Pier or California are like, well, you know, I'm taking um, different 
psychedelic drugs that enhanced my ability to understand the different dimensions. And I think I have a great, beautiful future in the heavens. Nothing means what he meant it to mean. Heaven Hmm. is not heaven, you know, um, and people are exploring different opportunities for a better eternal future. Um, The reality is Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Hmm. And if we don't make this uh, completely crystal clear to people, uh, some may never have the opportunity to hear it, especially when we're moving into a post-Christian culture and Gen Z is the first truly post-Christian generation in America. Um, They don't have the parents who took them to church. Their grandparents didn't talk to them about Jesus. It wasn't culturally uh, relevant anymore to talk about these things. Um, are we going to be the ones who not, they're not the killjoy. You're not the, the guy with the placard saying turn or burn. No, you're lovingly sharing the reality of your default destination. And the only truth that is Jesus Christ who can save you from it. Yeah, that's good. Good word. Good word. And good challenge. Got one or two more questions for you. The, you talk you share about gospel compassion and gospel justice. How do gospel compassion and gospel justice, how are they impacting our world or how can they impact our world? Hmm. Well, when you talk about compassion, I think we, we often do all these things we've been talking about, right? There are, there are people who like, I want to tell people about, about Christ, but they come across in a way that um, turns people off so much because we don't have that humility that we don't understand compassion because we don't understand lostness, a soul's lostness. Um, it reminds me of a story uh, of one of the guys I talk about a lot in, in the book. His name is Zhang Rong. It's a pseudonym for one of our local missionaries in China. And uh, uh, he gained the name and soon became Yellow Jesus. Mm. He moved into this area of uh, Myanmar, formerly called Burma where it was completely a methamphetamine production center, human trafficking. This is 72nd year, I think, of the Burma conflict. Just annihilated drug-addicted communities, um, children being abandoned. Well, he started rescuing these kids. One of them was this little girl they called um, Yuyu, and they rescued her. Her mother had been jailed for drug addiction. She was in jail Uh, They took this little girl, she was six months old at the time, into their home, cared for her as their own with their mother's consent, verbal consent. She was released from jail uh, within a few months. By the time Yuyu was like eight months old, she came back and said, I want my baby back. Well, they had no legal rights. So so Zhang Rong had to give uh, Yuyu back to her mother. The next day, her birth mom sold Yuyu on the black market for $500. And they were just completely uh, broken. I mean, this little girl that they loved had now been lost to whatever may come of her, uh, whether it be sex trafficking or child soldiers, uh, uh, certainly in that place in Myanmar. And um, through a series of miraculous events, they ended up finding Yu Yu in this home where they abducted children and waited to they're old enough to sell them on the black market and within reach global bought you you back from the black market for seven thousand dollars um and then through another series of miracles they were able to legally adopt her chung rong legally 
has adopted little Yu-Yu, a little girl from Myanmar, uh, along with his three other children. He's a Chinese ethnic minority. And this whole time this has been happening, this community had been watching their lifestyles and saying, what in the world? This guy is a Chinese guy who comes into our community, Burmese uh, community, actually is the Wa, W-A, Wa tribal people. And they couldn't believe his humble, his compassionate stance against injustice. He was doing something, wasn't just talking about stuff. And they, uh, the, the Burmese, the Wa people were darker skinned and uh, Chinese friend uh, Zhang Rong is more what they would call yellow. And uh, so they said, you, Nisha woman, the Huangsa, the Yesu, you are a yellow Jesus among us. And so this term stuck. They called him yellow Jesus. And what it meant to the ministry, what it meant to him, what it meant for you, you was this compassionate, humble stance against injustice. It was that incarnational ministry of Jesus that said, I'll leave my place and come down to live among you and be the life and love of the gospel in your midst. It transformed that community. Many people have come to the gospel because I get emotional just talking about this because of his compassionate and humble stance against injustice. Hmm. So, what am I? What are we talking about here? Compassion, gospel compassion, gospel yeah. justice. Yeah, we see the injustices in our world today, but if we don't have compassion for hurting souls, and if we don't move into an incarnational humili- uh, humility that expresses who Jesus is. Well, there's not going to be real long-lasting impact. But if you look at yellow Jesus, of whom yeah. they still call him that today, um, you'll see that that's the posture that truly changes lives. Wow. What amazing testimony. An amazing yeah. story. Amazing story. One last question, and then I'm going to ask you if you'll pray for us. What words of encouragement do you have for somebody who's who's listening in, and they they want they want to share the gospel in their everyday lives, life with words as you as you, but maybe they're struggling with that, and uh, maybe they've maybe pushed aside this this thought of this privilege and the responsibility that they have. Just maybe some words of encouragement, and then I'll ask you to pray for us. Thank you so much for the opportunity again, by the way, um, of of being able to give this encouragement and challenge. Because I pray that people, after as they're listening to this podcast, you know they're they're not being beaten down like, oh, you're not sharing the gospel, you're not a true Christian, you're just like Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah Winfrey. How many times we've mentioned them on this podcast? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I hope they're not getting that vibe, uh, you know, from this podcast. What we really want to say is, obedience to the commands of Christ is not drudgery. Faith sharing this dimension that you were intended for is such a great privilege and a wonderful journey. If you would take the first steps. Um, But first steps are hard journey of a thousand miles begins Mm. with one step Confucius said, and that's the hardest one to take. And um, so how do you start sharing your faith uh, openly? Uh, so I think there's a couple uh, really good resources that have come out recently. One is a book by Mark Middleberg. It's called Contagious Faith, Discover Your Natural Style for Sharing uh, the Gospel. And uh, it, he lists a number of different faith sharing styles. Um, certainly, uh, as you as you read, you're going to think, oh, yeah, I, 
I'm this personality. And a lot of it has to do with personality. You know, um, you might not want to go strike up a conversation at Starbucks with somebody who's busy doing their work. Um, but there's <laughs> ways to naturally move into that dimension uh, uh, you don't seem like a, a weirdo <laughs> you know it's like the comedian who says i don't i don't want to be awkward i just want to talk about jesus uh, <laughs> <laughs> well well it can be awkward at times um another one is an awesome app called life in six the number six words life in six words again it's by um dare to share ministries who i i, I just uh, mentioned a moment ago you go to li6w, lifeinsixwords.com, and get it. It's an awesome app that helps you start these conversations, which are very natural. Hmm. And it describes that person, and then it opens up gospel opportunities for you to inject. Oh, oh yeah, well, this is, and you get to share your faith. Yeah. So those are some practical tools, Life in Six Words, Contagious Faith, Um and all those will be good and you should pick them up. But in the end, if you don't settle in your heart that uh, I, I have been transformed by the gospel. Uh, my life is changed by Jesus. And I do want other people to experience his life, not only his life, but to be snatched away from that default destination that they're headed toward. Um, if you don't make that you know, commitment in your heart, or you don't come to terms with that reality, well, you know, turn this podcast off and have a good day, because yeah. there's not much more I can say for you, yeah. right? Um, yeah. We've got to be living in that Christ in me and I in him reality attached to the vine, permeated with his love and, and compassion for people. And um, then the journey begins, then the excitement starts. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Will you pray for us today? Thank you for your challenging words. And um, we'll put the link to your book in the show notes and um, the resources you mentioned. Um, but you pray for us. I will. Thank you. Yes, Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity that you have snatched. You have given us access to the gospel, opportunities to know you. And you have transformed our life. You've given us the privilege of the gospel. And we are so grateful, eternally grateful for that. We don't want to respond to this great gospel privilege out of drudgery. Um, we don't want it to be like penance. God, we want to wholeheartedly and radically follow after your footsteps to become more like you, to tell others about the gospel, the great kingdom message you have gifted us with. I pray for those who are listening right now that they would be encouraged, inspired, and just um, challenged to go to the next dimension, to go to the next level of, of, of their Christian walk by making you known in places that may be uncomfortable are inopportune. But Lord, we thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We do love you. We do want to see your kingdom established uh, here on earth as it always is in heaven. So uh, touch our hearts, um, grow our compassion, give us your humility. Uh, may we walk in the fruits of the spirit as we extend your kingdom to places and to people who need you. Lord. We thank you and give you the glory now in your name. Amen. 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 